Well, good morning and welcome to Scott's Hill. For those of you who are watching us online, we're so glad that you're able to join us. Those of you who are streaming with us this morning, we're glad that you're able to join with us as we are in our third week of a series that we've entitled All I Need for Christmas. My name is Phil Ortigo. I serve as a senior pastor here. If some of you are first-time guests, we're glad that you are here this morning. Now, we're just not but a few days away from Christmas, and before we jump into this series and continuing on, I just want to remind you that Tuesday evening, and those of you who are watching us online, want to invite you to come and join us for a Christmas Eve celebration. Now, Christmas Eve falls on the 24th this year. Just want you to remind you of that. If you don't know that, then I want to be the first to tell you also that New Year's is on the 1st. So I um, want to encourage you to join with us this uh, coming Tuesday night. We have a 3.30. We have a 5 o'clock um, celebration time. This building holds comfortably about 6.50, uh, illegally about 700. So we'll, we'll get in as many people as we can, but we want you to come and join us and make sure that you're here early for this. As we continue in our series, I want to begin by just saying that we're just a couple of days away from Christmas. I mean, Wednesday, can you believe it, is Christmas morning. And during this course of the season, the anticipation for Christmas morning is really building. Matter of fact, a lot of people are very hopeful that they will be able to get that present, that gift that they have requested, and, or maybe you've been dropping hints along the way and you're hoping that the people around you have been listening to the hints and that you will get that specific present, that one gift, that thing that you were most wanting this Christmas. Yeah, hope is at a premium right now as we move towards Wednesday morning. But we know this, that a lot of times what we hope for and what we actually get are two different things, aren't they? We can hope for a certain kind of present. We might get another kind of present. And we wonder somewhere along the way, where did the communication of the clues break down? And so we all have this anticipation of getting what we want. Now, if you're a child here this morning or you're a preteen, I went and checked on a number of gifts that are out there and some of the top gifts that children are wanting this year. So parents, if you haven't figured out what to get them, I'm going to help you out here this morning. Um, but, but, you know, you might be hoping for this. For instance, you might be hoping for what's called the Mighty Beans this is connected with the video game Fortnite. This is a very popular toy. These are all different decorated beans, and there are 35 in all, but they come in a four-pack of four mighty beans. Now, they shake, they wiggle, they chase after each other. They can carry them in a the pocket. They can have races at school or whatever it is. And some kids are probably saying, man, I just want those mighty beans. That's what I want for Christmas. And they might wake up Christmas morning and get this instead. <laughs> you know, that, all hopes are dashed when you get a can of beans instead of a mighty beans. Let me give you another toy that's out there that was popular last year that is incredibly popular again this year. It, they're, they're called fingerlings. Now, they're, they're getting more and more, um, I think, technical. But last year, the company actually ran out of fingerlings. And people started bidding online. I'm not kidding you. One parent bid $5,000 for one fingerling for their child. Because little Susie had to have that fingerling. Now, I don't know if her name's Susie. If your name's Susie, I don't mean to offend you by any of that. But let's say you're, you're, you're hoping, oh, I want a fingerling. I want a fingerling. And then you wake up Christmas morning. Instead, you get this. You get a Sharpie. 
And now, I know you're all thinking, what does a Sharpie have to do with a fingerling? And the little kid opens up the Sharpie and and says, Mom, what is this? And the mom says, oh, honey, this Sharpie, this gives you hours and hours of fun with individual, customized individuals on your fingers. You can make a smiley face finger. You can make a frowny finger. You can even make a surprised finger. You can do this all day long. That kid would be heartbroken because all of his hopes have been dashed. Now, maybe you're a young lady or an older lady or just a lady, and you're wanting a ring for this Christmas. And you've been dropping the hints all along. Look at this ring. By the way, this is a $19,000 ring. And, and you're saying, I want a ring for Christmas. And you've been dropping the hints. Come Christmas morning, you get this instead. $99, okay? You get this ring doorbell system. That would be one disappointed young lady. Or, or maybe you're a man, and, and what you want is, man, you want a manly grill. A stainless steel, four burner, all kinds of different controls on it. Has the probes that you plug into the meat that you get everything right. $1,200 for this grill. And you've been dropping the hints like crazy. Come Christmas morning, you get this guy show up in your living room. <laughs> A George Foreman grill. You know, the things we hope for and the things that become a reality a lot of times, sometimes the gap is pretty big. Some of you this year may be hoping for health. Maybe you're hoping, you know, I, I want us to be healthy. I want us to be fit. And then you go to the doctor and you end up with the news that says anything but fit. Or, or maybe you've been hoping for the happy family. I mean, this is obviously a model family. The kids are even hired out for this photo. It's not even real beach in the background. But you're hoping for the happy family. But this year you discover anything but happiness. Your family's being ripped apart. Maybe you're an older couple and, and you've dreamt for retirement so that you can spend your time and your hours together. The last days as you continue to grow closer and then the inevitable happens. And there's death and there's loss. Do you know that Christmas time, while most people are excited about the 25th, there are a lot of people in our culture who are looking forward to the 26th. Because it's a dark time. It's a time of seemingly hopelessness. And it's at this time of the year where many people are going through darkness. Because they seem to be living in a world where there's no hope. Philip Brooks, who was a pastor of a church in Philadelphia in the 1800s. In 1862, he became pastor of the Church of the Holy Trinity in Philadelphia. In 1865, he went to the Holy Land because he felt God was calling him there to go. And he showed up in Bethlehem on Christmas Eve. And while he was in Christmas Eve, he was so moved there in Bethlehem that when he came back to the States for the next year, he wrote a children's song for their Christmas Eve service. And this children's song that he thought would be a one and done, sung one time, never be sung again, has become a popular song every year. You're very familiar with it. It begins like this. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above the deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears 
of all the years were met in thee tonight. The world is looking for hope. And the world is looking to all kinds of means for hope. I mean the kind of hope that's lasting. The kind of hope that's an expectant hope. The kind of hope that comes with a certain level of confidence and certainty. The kind of hope that we read about in scriptures. The world is desperate for hope. And yet all the things that the world tends to focus on to find the hope are just like the images that we saw of disappointment after disappointment because there's nothing in this world that can provide the kind of hope that you and I need for our lives and for our future except for in the person of Jesus. As we've been looking at this series that we've called All I Need for Christmas, we've been looking at the intangibles We're looking at the things that humanity really needs. We saw week one that we're looking for joy. We're looking for something that can bring a contentment that is lasting to our lives, that goes beyond the circumstances and the events that we experience from day to day. Last week, we saw we need peace. We need the kind of peace that's peace with God, that brings the peace of God and brings peace with others. But this morning, what I want to do is I want us to look at this situation of hope, in the middle of hopelessness at Christmas time, you and I can walk in incredible hope. And we find in the birth narrative of Luke's gospel, chapter 2, where we have been looking for the last two weeks, one sentence that Luke records that the angel says to the shepherds that brings us incredible hope. Here's how Luke puts it. He says, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you great news, good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Those three titles in and of themselves Bring incredible hope to you and me and to every person who hears the good news of Jesus. That a Savior has been born. He is Christ. He is the Lord. Now here's what I want to do this morning. I want to take those three titles and I want to break those down and show how you and I can have hope this Christmas. But before we do that, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for... The truth, thank you that it is relevant for us today. And Father, that it is inerrant, it is inspired by you, it is without the mixture of any error. That Father, we can have absolute confidence in your word this morning. And this morning, Father, as we break down this passage, may you encourage our own hearts this morning to be walking in a living hope in a relationship with Christ. And we pray in his name, amen. I want to show you taking each of those titles and show you a different aspect of the hope that we can have. Number one, we understand this, that we can have hope this Christmas because Jesus is the Savior of the world. That's where it begins. Our hope begins in the reality that Jesus is indeed the Savior. Now, when Jesus was born in this culture, it was a very tumultuous time. It was a time where the Romans had come in, they had taken over, they were occupying all what we know of Palestine and the Holy Land, all in that area. 
And the Romans were coming in with a heavy hand. The people lost their freedom. They blamed the Romans for their hopelessness. They blamed the circumstances of their lives for their hopelessness. They blamed the situation that they find them in for their hopelessness. And they were looking for someone to come and deliver them from the Romans, to deliver them from the the tyranny, uh, and to deliver them from the lack of freedom that they have. But the real enemy was not the Romans. The real enemy was the enemy of their souls, Satan. The real problem was their sin that was keeping them enslaved and the fact that they were separated from a holy God. So when Jesus came, when he was born on Christmas Day, he came as the Savior first. He came to deliver them, but he came to die. Jesus did not come so that he could be an example of nobility and integrity, even though he was. Jesus didn't come so he could be an example of authority and teaching, though he was. Jesus didn't even come to be a social reformer, Though he was, Jesus came for the express purpose of dying for humanity. He came to be the savior of the world. Now, here's what's really interesting. Jesus is born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is an insignificant place in in what we see in, in Bible history. People who go to Bethlehem either live there or they have accidentally ended up there. Because there was nothing in Bethlehem. You know what Bethlehem was made out of? Mostly shepherds. You know the major occupation in Bethlehem was that of shepherds. And shepherds, they took the lowest rung in society. People didn't like shepherds. They didn't trust them. But here's what's really interesting. It's in Bethlehem that all these shepherds were preparing lambs that would be used for the Passover sacrifice. And it's in Bethlehem that they would raise these little lambs without spot, without blemish, without defects. And these lambs would be brought up and they would be used for the Passover sacrifices. Now here's something really interesting. Is that when the little lambs were born, they would have to make sure that they were not injured in any way. So they would wrap the lambs in strips of cloth. And they would place those little lambs into the trough or the manger. So they wouldn't thrash about and hurt themselves and become defective. When those shepherds came to that cave and they saw Jesus wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger, immediately what they thought was a sacrificial lamb. It immediately entered into their minds because that is what they did. And when Jesus came, he came to be the sacrifice for you and me. Now, what kind of hope do we have that Jesus is the Savior of the world? What does that bring to us? Let me give you three things. First, in Jesus, we have hope for the forgiveness of our past. Because Jesus came to die for our sins, you and I have the hope of our sins being forgiven. Now, let me say this. If you commit an offense towards me, I can forgive you of that offense. If you commit offense, maybe even towards a friend of mine... I may even be able to forgive you for that offense. But I cannot forgive you for your offense toward God. The only person who can do that is God himself. And God sent Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. 
And when Jesus came, he came to die on your behalf and my behalf. And it's only through a relationship with Jesus Christ that my past can be forgiven me. The Apostle Paul reminds us of where we are without Christ. He says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. We were people who were without Christ, we were without citizenship in heaven, we were without the covenants of promise, and we were without confidence. We had no hope. But when Jesus comes and he gives his life, Peter puts it this way. He says, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Our hope is set fully in the grace of God that comes from the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ on behalf of you and me. And when you and I come to the place where we understand through the Spirit's illumination of my mind and my heart, and I come to know who God is, and I come to know who I am, and I surrender my life to Jesus, at that point, I'm walking in his grace, and here's the great news. At that point, every single sin that I've ever committed is erased. God has forgiven, and he remembers it no more. What wonderful truth. That at Christmas time, I can know that I can walk in the fact that my past has forgiven me. And that God never will hold my past before me because of my relationship with Christ. One of the things I do at home is I try to help my wife out with cleaning around the house. And many years ago, I asked her, I said, honey, what's the one chore you absolutely hate? Now, I made a big mistake in this. But I said, what's the one chore you absolutely hate? And she, without hesitation, she said, dusting. I hate dusting. And I very foolishly said, well, honey, you will never have to dust again. I know I'm a failure as a pastor. I'm sorry. I'm confessing to you. The other day, I opened up the armoire where my clothes are. And there on that dusty shelf was written one name, Phil. <laughs> right in the dust on that. She was standing right there, and I just started laughing. And, and we joked about the fact how we have a hard time forgetting our failures and forgetting the failures of other people. But I want to tell you what. When you come to faith in Christ, your sins are not carved in the thick dust of our lives. Instead, there is the crimson blood of Jesus Christ over every one of them. And your past is gone. And this Christmas, you can know this, that my past is never held before my Father. You and I do not have the capacity to remember our sins no more. Deep within our brains and the crevices of our cranium, what happens are some thoughts from the past and what people have done or what we have done. But in the mind of Almighty God, because of the Savior of the world who has died for your sins and mine, the Father never remembers those. And the hope that we have in Jesus is that my sins are gone. And all he sees, all he sees is the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? That's what we have. But not only we have the forgiveness of our past, but in Jesus, we have hope for the freedom of our present. We have hope for the freedom of our present today. 
And I'm not enslaved to the failures of my past, but I can walk in the freedom of God's presence in my life. Paul writes to the Romans, he says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. What a beautiful trilogy. we got the trilogy of joy and peace and hope. And when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit who lives within you, listen, he gets you to abound in hope. That word abound means super abundant, overflowing. When you and I know that our sins are forgiven us, then we can walk in the freedom of the present that there is nothing over my head. I'm free before the Lord Jesus, and I can walk and abound in this expectant hope. Now, let me tell you the difference between the world's hope and godly hope. The world's hope is just wishful thinking. That's all it is. The person who says, I hope my friend shows up on time, but he is always late. That's wishful thinking. The man who says, I hope my wife's not mad at me, but every time I forget our anniversary, she gets mad. That's wishful thinking. The man who says, I hope my Clemson Tigers beat the LSU Tigers. That is wishful thinking. (laughs) But there is an expectant kind of hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And that is this. That when I trust in him, my hope in him is an expectant hope. It is a confident hope. It is hope that's built on his character and his promises. And I can walk in that every day. It's an expectant hope that God is going to give me wisdom today for this circumstance in my life. It's an expectant hope that God is going to give me the endurance to overcome the temptations and the weaknesses of my flesh It is an expectant hope that God is going to give me the compassion that I need to love my spouse or my children or my boss or my neighbors. It is an expectant hope. It's the kind of hope that Paul writes about when he says, I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will what? Complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. When Jesus is your Savior, You have hope because your sins are forgiven. When Jesus is your Savior, you have hope because your present life is filled with power. But here's a third thing. In Jesus, we have hope for the fullness of our future. For the fullness of our future. Now, when we talk about the fullness of our future, we're talking about that which lies ahead of us. And the Apostle Paul speaks a lot about future. In Romans chapter 5, verse 2, he says, Through him, Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And then in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, writing to the Ephesian believers, he says, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? What is he talking about? He's talking about our future hope. He's talking about our hope and glory. He's talking about our hope with an eternal blessing in the presence of God. Now, let me say something here that a lot of believers get confused about. Eternal life doesn't begin when you die. It doesn't. For the child of God, eternal life begins the moment you surrender your life to Jesus. 
And when you give your life to Jesus, you are eternally saved. John says, we write these things to you that you may know that you are having eternal life. It's something that happens. And the moment you surrender your life to Christ, you have eternal life. And every single day of your life, you are living for eternity. Everything you do is towards eternity. And you're thinking about the future. You're thinking about the glory with God. And so not only is my past forgiven me, not only do I, the present I walk in freedom, but there's fullness for my future. And that means from this point until I stand before the Lord Jesus. We can walk in that kind of fullness and that kind of certainty. And when you and I walk with that kind of fullness, we can know that there's a wonderful life that we walk in in the glory of God. Let me say this. Every person is saved from something and you are saved for something. Every person is saved from sin and every person is saved for God's glory. You're saved from your sin, but you're saved for the glory of God. And one day when you're standing in the presence of heaven and you're with all the angels and all the redeemed of all time, not one person in heaven, not one single individual will pat themselves on the back and sing Barry Manilow's song, Looks Like We Made It. Nobody. Because for all of eternity, it's his glory. Every single person in heaven is a testimony to the glory of God and his amazing grace and not your efforts. Every one. That's why Paul writes in Colossians 1.27, he says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. So you see, with Jesus as my Savior, there's hope. I have forgiveness of my past. I have freedom in my present. I have fullness for my future. And there is hope because he's the savior of the world. But he doesn't stop there. We find that Luke says he's the savior. He is born. But there's some two other titles that we see in this passage. Not only is he savior, but we see that he is also Christ. He is Christ. And here's the second thing we see. We can have hope this Christmas because Jesus is the fulfillment of God's word. The name Christ is not Jesus' last name, Jesus Christ. Many people think that's his last name. No, that's a title, Jesus the Christ, Yeshua Hamashua, Jesus the Messiah. Jesus is Christ. That means he's the anointed one. He is the anticipated one. He is the promised one, and here's what it means. That when Jesus is called the Christ and at Christmas time is the demonstration of God's fulfillment of his word becoming true. And it's a testimony of the faithfulness of God. From eternity past, God had Christmas in mind. For eternity past, God had in his mind that Jesus would take on human flesh and become the Savior and he would be the promised one. In fact, when we look to the pages of Scripture, we can find that Jesus fulfilled hundreds of prophecies in his day. On the day that he was crucified, he fulfilled 38 prophecies that day. When Jesus was born, he fulfilled 10 prophecies through his birth. Let me give you what those prophecies are. The Messiah would be born of a virgin. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Secondly, the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. 
According to Micah chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, in history, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The Messiah would come from the line of Abraham. We see that in Genesis 22, 18. The Messiah would come from the line of Isaac. Remember, Abraham had two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. Half of that lineage is removed through Isaac. Then we find this. The Messiah would come from the line of Judah. Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. Half of that line removed because it comes from Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. 11 of those are removed because it comes from one, Judah. And then we find it even more specific. The Messiah would come from the family of Jesse, one family of all the tribe of Judah. And Jesse had eight sons. The Messiah would be a descendant of King David, one of his sons, removing seven of those. Then we discover this. The Messiah would be worshipped and presented gifts by kings. Psalm 72, 9. Children would die because of his birth. We find this prophesied in Jeremiah. And we find that what happened after the birth of Jesus, King Herod was jealous. And when Jesus went off to Egypt, King Herod killed all the children in and around the vicinity of Bethlehem that were two years old and younger. And the Messiah would be called out of Egypt. And Jesus, after the death of Herod, was called to come back. Ten prophecies fulfilled just at his birth. And then we find in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15... One of the greatest prophecies, even just after Adam and Eve have sinned. They were blaming each other, and they blamed the serpent, and then God gives the curses, and he begins with Satan. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Theologians call this the proto-evangelium, which means the first evangel, the first gospel. And there in the garden, God had in his heart that his son would come to fulfill all of the promises of his word. And here's a wonderful thing. You and I are part of that story. You and I are part of this history. Because God loved you so much that he gave his son at Christmas time so that you and I would be part of the story of redemption. You know what that tells me? I can have hope in his word. Because every single word is true. I can have hope in the promises of God. Because every promise of God is true. I can have hope in absolutely the confidence that God does what he says. He accomplishes his purpose and his plan. And no matter what humanity finds itself in, no matter what the culture shapes and whatever thoughts and philosophies are moving through the culture, the Father always accomplishes his perfect will. And for you and me at Christmas time, that means this. I don't know what 2020 is going to bring. I don't know what the circumstances of my life are going to be. I don't know what's going to happen with my children. I don't know where my grandchildren are going to be. I don't know how I'm going to get that job to supply my family. I don't know how I'm going to graduate. And you could go on and on. But God, who has seen the end from the beginning, is faithful in every single thing. And the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 that the promises of God are yes and what? Amen in Jesus Christ. You see, I not only have hope that he's the Savior, but I have hope that he has fulfilled the word of God 
through his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, and today seated at the right hand of the Father, he is interceding for you and me, and that I can trust. See, we have that kind of hope. We have a hope of a Savior who forgives our past and gives us freedom in the present and the fullness of the future. I have a hope in someone who is the promised one and who will never, ever let me down. But here's the third truth. We can have hope because Jesus is Lord. We can have hope because he is Lord. He is called Savior. He is called Christ, but he is called Lord. And when we look at the word Lord, a lot of times we just think that means master, but it means so much more. The Apostle Paul captures this in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 22. Listen to what he says. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That little baby that was born in the manger that night of Christmas is more than a baby. He is God. He's God. Colossians 1.16, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is more than a baby. He is the creator. Colossians 1.17, And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus is much more than a baby. He is the sustainer of all life and all material. Colossians 1.18, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Jesus is more than a baby. He's the head of the church. And lastly, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. He is more than a baby. He's redeemed. Can you imagine that night in that cave? Mary gives birth, a teenager, giving birth to God. Just baffles the mind. That little face that she kissed was the face of God. That little cry that came out of that manger was the very voice of the one who said, let there be light. And there was light. The one who was being held by a teenage girl and as she nursed him, he in fact was the sustainer of her life. This little baby would become the head of the church that would turn the world upside down. This little baby would be the redeemer of your soul and of my soul. See, the hope this Christmas is found not in our government. It's not in families getting together. It's not in the presents that you're going to receive under a tree. Our hope is that we have a Savior. Our hope is that we have 
a deliverer. Our hope is that we have someone who is God. And as God, there's nothing he cannot do. As God, there's nothing he does not know. He created you. He has known you before you have existed. He knows every circumstance of your life. No one knows you as intimately as Jesus does. No one is your hope. As God, there's nowhere he cannot be. And as God, there's nowhere and nothing he cannot do. Our hope this Christmas still lies in the Savior. Believer, walk in victory. Your sins are gone. You have freedom to live today. And the fulfillment of your future is the glory of God. You and I live in that hope. It's a living hope. We are to live in the reality that he has fulfilled every promise and he is absolutely trustworthy. When he rose from the dead, he validated every single claim he ever said about himself. Because he's the only one who's ever done that. And I can trust him with everything. And because he's God, I worship him. Because there's no one, no one like him. If you're here this morning and you're not a believer, I'm going to tell you, my friend, your hope in anything other than Jesus is wishful thinking. That's all it is. And you will find yourself like the children who are disappointed on Christmas morning when they don't get what they thought they would get or what they got they thought would satisfy them, and it never does. Your hope is in Jesus. And I would call you to consider the claims and the reality of Jesus because he's the only one who can satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. It's him. And he's here for you right now, today. Here's what I want us to do. I'm going to ask you if you would just stand right now. Stand. Donnie's going to come and he's going to lead us in this song. And this song connects with this verse in 1 Peter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a living hope, folks. His name is Jesus. And we live in him. And today, as we close out this service, let's close it out with a song that we sing here. It's called Living Hope. If you need to come to this altar during this time and just pray and ask the Lord for something, maybe it's something with a relationship, maybe it's something with your future, you need to come and just trust in Him this morning. You come and do that. Maybe this morning you need to come and say, hey, you know, I just surrender my life to Christ. The things of this world bring no hope, but only Jesus can do that. And today I'm willing to surrender to Him. I'll be right down here in the front. You can come and talk with me. I'll be glad to speak with you about that and pray with you. But as Donnie comes, would you join me as we pray? Father, we thank you for your word. Remind us, Father, of the truth of your hope in us, Jesus Christ. And we pray in his name. Amen. Would you sing with me?
how great the chasm that lay between us how high the mountain I could not climb in desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written Jesus Christ my living Lord who could
Thank you. Thank you for being here today. Tuesday, we want to remind you of that. 3.30, 5 o'clock, come early, get a seat. It's going to be a wonderful time of celebration. We've got a great uh, opportunity for us to worship together and just to enjoy one another's presence. God bless you. Have a great day as you live in the hope of Christ. You're dismissed.